Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And thank you for tuning in to Front Porch Talks today. Today we're joined by Sarah Kinzer. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Sarah's here to share a little bit about her testimony, but also to share with us about a book that she wrote uh, recently called Abide. Uh, Sarah, just start out telling us a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. All right. Well, I live in grottos outside of Harrisonburg with my husband and two kids and two cats and two turtles and um, <laughs> happy family, happy family. But we've been here for uh, seven years now. We moved here from Ohio where we lived for about 10 years. And um, But before that, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I went to JMU and my parents have moved to Richmond when I was in college. So I consider Richmond to be sort of a home base for me as well. When I grew up, I grew up in my parents took me to a Presbyterian church, and I went to Catholic school. And when I was in high school, I really had a time, um, my sort of midway through my junior year, where I wanted to see if I wanted to make this faith my own. And so I sort of branched out from that Presbyterian church and visited a number of other types of church. And throughout my college experience, and then as a young adult, I went to a wide variety of churches, um, Assembly of God churches and Methodist churches and churches from uh, the holiness tradition and just a variety of churches from all different theological backgrounds. In Ohio, we attended a Church of Christ and Christian Union Church, which it shares a lot of similarities with the Nazarene Church. And it was very funny when I started working through sanctification and holiness, and I would go back and I would listen to things that old sermons that were posted online from our church. I heard the message of holiness preached and preached really well from that church in Ohio, but I had sat under that great teaching and I had missed so much of it because I was more worried about clinging to what I thought than being open to listen to the word. Mm. So you have a very broad um, experience Mm -hmm. in a lot of different denominations. And I would be, um, as we begin to maybe move towards abide and talk about holiness, what was it like going from those different denominations? And you know what? I believe that we have something to learn from God's church. So what are some things just that really stand out to you? You don't have to name denomination. What are some things that really spoke to you in those different churches that become a part of the fabric of who you are? Well, I'm real good. I like to tell stories rather than... That's okay. So I'm going to tell stories. I love stories. So when, um, when it first sort of came up to me, you know, I had felt called into ministry and I sat down with you, Margaret, and mm-hmm. Pastor Kerry, and said... You know, I feel called into ministry, but I don't understand why I've been called into ministry in a denomination where I don't agree with the theology. And you told me it was a very kind word to put it on the shelf and deal with what he's talking to you about now. And when he picks it off the shelf, deal with that then. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge relief. And a few months later, I sat down in a meeting and um, uh, another pastor said, Sarah, you might not be a Nazarene. And I thought, well, nope, I'm not. So that's not news to me. Um, And he said, you know, you might want to lean in on that. So I thought, I guess God's taking it off the shelf now. So after that conversation where that pastor had pointed out that I might not be a Nazarene, which was no surprise to me, I went 
uh, to work, and on my drive home, I remember there was this big rainbow in the sky, and I remember just praying, God, what are you doing? Why are you calling me into ministry in a place that I don't agree with what they teach? And I so clearly heard God say, do you believe that I can change things to make it so you do fit in where I'm calling you? Well, of course, God. And then God asked, do you believe that one of the things that I can change is you? And that was very humbling. Mm. I had to stop and ask myself, do I believe that God can change me? And I said, okay, yes. And so I was willing to look into things that I had previously just counted out. And so I began to study um, sanctification and the things that I thought that holiness teaching was saying that it was a call to human perfection, that it was legalistic, and that people who ascribed to it would have a harder time living a full and abundant faith life than those who did not ascribe to it. A year later, I sat down with that same group that I had had that conversation with where the pastor said I might not be a Nazarene. And um, I remember saying, I don't know if the goal was to get me to draw a line that I used to be over in this one theological camp and now I'm in a different theological camp, but I can't draw that line. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is to quit drawing lines Mm -hmm. that, um, that it's not about being on one side of the fence or the other. It's about being a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's a good word. And so when I wrote Abide, one of the major things that I was hoping to accomplish was to be able to communicate the doctrine of holiness, the message of uh, sanctification in a way that people from many different denominations could pick it up and understand what is being said. In the Catholic tradition, they talk about consecration. And you will hear the message of holiness in many other denominations. They just word it differently. Uh, One of my favorite pastors, uh, Pastor Bruce, who was the pastor of our church in Ohio, said he's less concerned that people understand the language of holiness and more that they understand the experience of holiness. Well, Sarah, as you were talking about, you know, taking it off the shelf and learning that you didn't have to be on one side or the other, that, you know, we're all on the same team, so to speak. You know, we all serve the same God. But you also talked about how um, the Lord asked you, he said, do you think that I can change you to make you fit in where I'm calling you? So talk about that experience a little bit and how he began to change your thinking or how he began for you to see holiness differently than you had seen it previously. Well, the first thing I started to do was I emailed your dad, Pastor Kerry, and I asked him if he would be willing to read some emails, to email back and forth with me and help me work through this. And he said, sure, he would. And so I started reading through all the things, all the arguments that I had sat through 20 years before, 15, 20 years before in college Um, when I sort of made my mind up about where I thought I stood and um, I went back into the word and I would send him these, you know, they had to be 10 page long emails and he would email me back with just a sentence or two and, (laughs) and I, and just completely my whole 10 pages are now nothing. And now I've got to go back to the word and figure it out. And so there came a point where I had looked through scripture and I came to the this moment where I said this is true um, there are parts of this that I find distasteful but my tastes don't define truth mm-hmm. and then I 
started to pray that God would show me the beauty of holiness, um, that he would show me not holiness or sanctification as a behavioral modification plan, but as part of his loving design for real care and um, close connection between us and him. Mm-hmm. And that's when he stopped just sort of talking to me through scripture and started moving in my life in a way that um, was pretty, hmm, how to describe it? Well, in the book, I call it my holy shakedown. It was a big shakeup. I mean, you think about the picking up a Coke bottle and shaking it as hard as you can, and then you, you know, open and just explodes. That's what it felt like. Everything that I had been working towards seemed to be falling apart around me. And I would move one way and think that I could fix it and catch it and control this and that and the other. And things just were left and right all around me, falling apart. And um, I remember I had come in to church in the morning and I had sat down with a friend. I had, um, an, a few months earlier, I'd left the job I was at and had been looking for a new job. So I sat down with this friend and I said, I'm planning to go from here over to this other place who's offered me a job and I'm going to accept that job. And she said, I would be shocked if that's the position for you. I don't think that's what God has for you. And I told her, well, then prepare to be shocked because they've already offered it to me. So I'm going to go get it. And I went over and I walked right on in and told the uh, supervisor there that I was ready to take the job. And she said, Sarah, if you had accepted last week, I would have taken you in a heartbeat, but the position's been filled. And I thanked her and I turned around and I just was, you know, without words. She had offered that job to me three times and I had said no because it wasn't exactly what I wanted. I thought, well, you've just been too picky. Just go get the job. And that night we had a revival here at the church and um, Kim McLean was playing and she's sharing her story and she starts to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness. And as she starts singing, It was just as clear as anything I've ever seen. And in front of my eyes, it was like two empty hands. And I remember just thinking, those are my hands. I have nothing left to offer. I have nothing left to give. And into those hands, I saw another set of hands slip. And it was like, Jesus said, great, now I can use you. When I was 17, it was like I had offered everything to God my whole life. And I had this moment, you know, this was my saving moment. And here I was probably 17 years later and I had nothing left to offer and God offered himself to me. And that was incredible. Well, Sarah, two things that I'm hearing as you're talking, first of all, complete surrender to God, surrendering what you want for what he wants in this whole process, the shakedown as you called it. And another thing you were talking about how you started to see holiness as not like a checklist. And I think you use that term in the book mm-hmm. quite frequently, not a checklist, not a do's and don'ts, but more of a relationship with Christ where he's drawing us near to him and saying, I'll draw near to you when you draw near to me. So that's what I hear you saying. And uh, another thing in the book, you just have example after example, just simplifying what oftentimes to people who don't understand the theology or don't understand it, just think it's a complicated thing or a self-righteous thing, but it's not that at all. So I don't know if you want to share anything about your experience in writing the book or in studying as you were studying for ministry, as you said that you would like to add, yeah, as you're writing your book and from your experience. One of the things that when I started praying about for God to show me the beauty of sanctification was I was having a hard time matching up the concept of a pursuing savior with sanctification as I had understood it to be 
human perfection or let's make the right choices. And I had sort of had this, and you had talked about surrender. I had had this sort of image where I could be running away from Jesus and he would be pursuing me the whole time. And I was like, I was watching myself in a desert and here he is the whole time walking with me with a bottle of water. And he said, are you thirsty? Do you want something to drink? And I just continued, nope, nope, nope. But he is there. He is pursuing me. He is willing to continue to give me this living water. All I had to do was agree to drink. There was a long time that I spent my faith life living it sort of like I was going to the cross and getting my fill up and heading back out to fight the battles and back and forth and back and forth and touching base and going out in the world and touching base and going out in the world. And it became clear to me as I learned more about holiness that abiding in Christ is not about touching base. It's going and surrendering yourself and um, at the foot of the cross and then just staying there, staying there instead of leaving. Yeah, it becomes about, as you said before, it becomes about his plan instead of yours. And I've heard people um, before share that it's like we get off of the throne of our own life and we let Jesus take, you know, um, as you even quoted in the book um, where he takes up residence in low-class housing. But yet, he more than that, um, when we get to that place where we absolutely just, we realize we have nothing left. There's nothing that we can do really that's worth anything unless Jesus is the one we, if we surrendered to him and allowed him to take over um, and let him surrender, you know, our hands in the air of surrender and saying, you know, I want you to guide me from here out. And it can be pretty bumpy, you know, it's not always um, dismantling somebody from their throne isn't easy. Right. Right. Um, That can be really hard uh, for the person. And uh, I've been through that for sure. But man, the peace that comes when we don't have to control it anymore. Yeah. And we can abide. Yeah. Um, And I'll just, with that, I thought a really great um, abide is a title. It says the day-to-day demystification of holiness, and it is a journey. It's not a book to set down and just consume, but to go on a journey with the Lord. And I loved the one on page twenty that's titled "Abide," um, and I think it's really it's beautiful. It's part of the farewell discourse that Jesus um, shares in John fourteen through seventeen as he heads to the cross, where he himself gives up everything for us as he becomes the sacrifice for you and me. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And you go into this idea of abide. You say, When I consider holiness, a number of words float by me, remain, dwell, stay. But the one that fits in my palms the best is abide. And you share a little bit about that. And I'm just going to let you talk a little bit about that. Uh, Maybe share with us what abide really means as you write in the book. And just share a little bit maybe from this devotional specifically. So is it all right if I just read some of it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. In my experience, sanctification was the answer to the coming and going struggle of my faith walk. Over the years, I have found myself tempted to say, I feel near to him or I feel far from him. I have had emotional highs and lows, certainly. I have had deep sorrow and intense joy. But these feelings have not defined my sense of the presence of the Lord, 
No matter how the world spins or tips, the holy presence of my Creator is constant, stable, fixed. Not only does it remain steadfast, but it remains in one sure position. The presence of the Lord was once something I chased out to the mountains or into a sanctuary. I traveled to the ends of the earth and pronounced, He is here. I lifted worship songs up like stones to peek under in search of that nearness. However, in my new arrangement, I simply take in breath and find him there. Psalm 139 reads, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. No more must I wander. No more must I roam. It is as if I finally reach the end of that verse and read, Your right hand will hold me fast. I have agreed to be held. I've thought about that psalm recently um, in light of our current situation. You have this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one other moment in my life where I was just overwhelmed by the brokenness in our world. And all I wanted to do was just run away. But I knew that God was showing me something in it. And this verse came to me, just where can I go from your spirit? I knew wherever I went in the world at that time was going to pursue me and I was not going to be able to get away from that lesson. Mm -hmm. And right now we can think about wherever we go, wherever we would go right now, we can be tempted to think that there is darkness everywhere over the face of the earth right Mm -hmm. now. And it's very um, scary and can be very discouraging to think that there's not a a place on this earth right now that I could go to escape the darkness that is here right mm-hmm. now. But but we know, when I talk about um, the presence of God being fixed and stable and steadfast in one position, this truth that Psalm 139 speaks, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There is not a place on the face of this earth that we can go right now that is without God's presence that is outside of God's control. And so we can take heart in the word of God and that his promises are true, that he um, says, abide in me and I in you. As I closed out that entry, I put the beauty that brings me to tears time and time again is that his invitation to abide in him is a promise that he will abide in me. Because of his infinite grace, he bore me patiently. He endured my failings and follies without yielding. He waited for me, and he accepted me without objection. Why would he do that for me? Why didn't he lower his level of abiding to my own? Because while we may be good to our word, he is better, his promises, and those he covers in grace. He also lavishes with his presence. He does not object to those covered by the blood of the sacrifice of his only son. He tends and he prunes and he abides in us, watching as our connection to him generates first a bud, then beauty, and finally, at last, fruit. Good. And I know you talked about the fruit of the Spirit also, and how we can't just pick and choose what fruit we want. He calls us to have all of them, or to desire all of them Mm -hmm. in our lives, and it's a day-by-day thing. We can't, I know in, in that particular chapter in the book, you said, we can't just say, oh, I was patient this time or I was loving this time. It's not a keeping record mm-hmm. of, but it's something we constantly got to do. So I don't know if you want to share with that into how that has to do with abiding 
One of the themes that I found as I went through the Bible and was looking at sanctification that I had never noticed before is this concept of God as the gardener. He starts out, he creates the whole world, and he sets up the garden. He is the gardener. And we see then as when Jesus is talking in that section, the first verse we think of is, and you are the branches, but first he says, I am the vine and God is the gardener. Mm-hmm. And that's all within the same area that they're talking about abiding. And then it occurred to me as I moved through studying, what is the example that we have that God is within us? It is the fruit. You know, God prunes us and he tends us and he grows his fruit on us. And we are, the church is more like an orchard or we are supposed to be, you know, an orchard that you would harvest from and then you would feed people. We're not intended to just grow fruit and let it sit on the vine. It will rot and be of no use to anybody. But our fruit is is grown in order to care for the world, in order to um, feed the hungry. You know, we are, the church should be a field of flax that can be ground and milled into fabric and to clothe the naked. You know, we are purposeful plants, you know. And so one of the We don't get to pick and choose, but there is fruit that is easier to allow God to grow on me and fruit that has been harder. I know that um, gentleness was one that through people, I'm so like, this is the way it should be. And now that I've decided and figured out how it should be, everything and everybody should apply my truth to their life and act accordingly. What would that be? Would that be law? Uh-huh. The law, the law of Sarah. The law of Sarah. And I have spoken, so it is spoken, so it shall be done. Yes. But even as I acted that way, there were people who just, like I think about those emails that I sent to your dad when I said, this is what I have discovered from the Bible, and this is truth. And in just one word, just one sentence, he would unwrap it all. And it wouldn't be like, let me explain to you why you've arrived at the wrong conclusion. It would just be, he could even just, some emails he would just reply, peace, be still. And I would go, I have to go back and read the Bible. And in that, in just a few words, that gentle reply, I was refocused. And so the cultivation of that fruit in other people's lives allowed me to see how important it was, how necessary it was for me to be fed that fruit. It allows me to see how necessary it is for me to allow God to grow it in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a beautiful picture of the church. What Pastor Kerry was doing was allowing you to go back to the Word and into the presence of God. And we can't change people. That's not our job. Yeah. Our job is to love people. And, you know, I, I've said often that when I became a believer and started the process, it was the love of God's people that helped me to believe who God says He is, you know, that He really is, um, that love. And that's the fruit you're talking about. That's what we're here to offer to not just the lost, but to one another, the brethren. Um, And um, fruit is something that we cannot manufacture. We don't want fruit that we have tried to conjure up. Uh, We want fruit that comes from the vine, um, tended by the gardener. And that's a beautiful picture of abiding. And it is a journey. And you know what? We will continue this journey, um, each one of us, uh, us sitting here today talking and every person listening today. uh, We're all on a journey of learning what that is for each of us. And I love the fact that you did not uh, mind to ask questions. 
You didn't always like the answers. We had a few conversations along the way. But you kept on till you come to a place. And I think about that. I remember some of your frustrations. And just remaining steady and watching you grow. But to realize that this book wouldn't have happened had you not really questioned those things and continued to seek God. And people like PK, that his responses didn't lead you further away, but brought you closer to God. Like, what a beautiful picture of who we're called to be as believers. And so I hope anyone who's listening today that hasn't really reconciled where they're at with what they're hearing, they have questions, what would you say to them? I could say a few things, but I'm just going to let you speak to that. I think it is so incredibly important that if you have questions, you ask your questions. Um, I think mentorship is incredibly important in the life of any believer. And so um, if you feel like you are traveling this alone, then you need to find someone. You need to find someone who sit and listen and answer your questions. I would advise that before I would advise Mm -hmm. you read a book, that you find someone that you can have the conversation with. My hope with writing the book is that it explains things in a way that are simple and that are relatable and that are timely and that anybody from any background could understand, even people who were brought up in the holiness denomination, but still just want to make sure that they understand what we're talking about when we talk about sanctification, when we talk about holiness. If it sounds like this is a behavioral modification program, it's not. And if you have the tendency to think that, then I think this would be a great read for you. Truly, if you have questions, ask I think if a person walks away from their faith because they felt like they had questions they couldn't find the answers to, I would just encourage you to keep asking. Don't walk away. Keep asking. And if you're not maybe feeling like you're getting the answers that are really helping you to understand, maybe ask someone else. Yeah. You know, you ask a lot of people. You got a lot of input. You ask for a lot of input from a lot of people. And I think that Sometimes you begin to see things even in different lights, different perspectives that can help you begin to make some decisions. Maybe you heard something, you go, wait a minute, that's not how I'm seeing this, you know, and begin again, go back to the word. Yes, that's Um, what I was going to say, that ask questions, but test it against the word because anybody can tell you anything. If it doesn't line up with the word, then you need to disregard it. Right. And Um, it is an inside job. Yeah. Yeah. From the inside out. So, Sarah, is there a devotional maybe that in the book that could speak to the days in which we're living right now? I think a a good one would be um, Holy Shakedown about halfway through the book. And it talks about my experience going through having everything shaken in my life. And I think right now everybody is feeling a bit shaken up. They had a plan and they had a routine and they had a schedule and it has been knocked for a loop. Mm-hmm. And the start of that devotional entry is from Hebrews 12 and it says, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our world has been shaken by what's going on right now, this pandemic, and a lot of people are 
talking about, boy, I hope things can get back to normal. I can't wait till things get back to normal. And our, our hope, I think, should not be to get things back to normal, but to get things back to God. Right. You know, what is not shaken is more important than returning to a schedule that um, this time is a time that God can be teaching us about what matters and about the removal of things that distracted us and kept us mm-hmm. from doing the work, being the church. And um, I have been so, so impressed while I've watched particularly uh, my best friend as she has sewn masks tirelessly for weeks on top of her job and on top of teaching her kids and on top of keeping her house and everything else that she is doing. And I think, you know, if she is dedicating herself tirelessly mm-hmm. to a task, to doing something, to care for others, and it really is beautiful. But if she was driving her kid to basketball, where would that have fit in? Not that there's anything wrong with basketball, but it's just this is an opportunity for us to get the practice of caring for others, of serving others, and investing in others. This is a time when um, we are really aware that relationships have been changed and the way we communicate has been changed. And so we are thinking about how can we be intentional about building relationships? What is the best way to speak into the friendships we want to keep and connecting in new and creative ways? I don't want that stuff to go back. You know, I don't want us not to care and not to serve and not to create. I welcome that shakeup. And in this time, just to hold fast to what cannot be shaken so that on the other side of this, we're abiding in him right. and he's abiding in us. Yeah. That's a good word, Sarah, especially in these days as you were talking. And thank you for joining Pastor Margaret and I today. It's been good to have you. It's good to be here. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that as we've talked to Sarah Kinzer about her testimony and about her book, Abide, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.